You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams and Marty Foster. All right. Okay. <laughs> nice to see you too, Marty. How are you today? I'm, I'm okay. Not too bad at all. How are you? Wish I could say that I was doing fantastic, my friend, but, uh, you know, the, uh, <clears throat> the plot thickens in all of this, and we're going to get into it today, thanks to some video you sent me last night. Uh, I think we're going to talk about the Nashville stuff today. How'd you look over that video uh, that was released, the CCTV, CCTV footage that was released? Yeah. And uh, we'll yeah. go over that too. Bruce, how are you today? Healthy and alive. Doing well. Fantastic. See, we didn't wait until the end this time. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's start with a video that you sent me last night, Marty. This is a video of a woman in the town of Gloucestershire, I believe, in the UK. And is that right? Yeah. Gloucester. Uh-huh. Gloucestershire Glo- is the county. Uh-huh. Gloucester is the county town. Okay. So is this like... Leicester and Leicestershire is this the yes yes just, just gotcha like that. gotcha okay <laughs> so basically the gist of it is here is a woman who lives in this town of uh <clears throat> Gloucester and she is under a I think it's a tier four which is a complete shutdown full shutdown of everything with except for the essentials and medical services that's it same thing where i'm at they don't use a tier system here but this is what's called a uh, <clears throat> a black zone uh, as they're calling it now i live in a town just for an example i was out today and i went past two hospitals two okay two big hospitals now i live in a town of 15,000 people okay those two hospitals serve not only this town but two other surrounding smaller towns as well so they will send them here for medic treatment, hospitalization, admissions, things like that. They will send them here. Now, you would think with 15,000 people here, 7,000 people in the next town and 4,500 people in the next town over, you would think, OK, well, if this is considered a, a black zone, then the cases must be off the charts. Well, the, the reason they're doing this is because everyone's doing the same thing. The UK is doing the same thing. The US and certain states, they're doing the same thing. 200 cases per 100,000 citizens is considered to be uh, a full a full lockdown. Well, first of all, those things haven't worked up to this point. Okay, that's the first thing. So that needs to be taken into consideration. The second thing is that if you're going to base those numbers on this town where I'm at, that means if you were to bring those numbers down, that means 25 cases. If you have 25 positive cases, mind you, with a 97% false positive rate as it relates to PCR tests, then that means the whole town has to be shut down if 25 cases pop up with a 97% false positivity rate. Put that in perspective, that's 0.2% of the population, mm-hmm. which is so people are aware. Which is actually a higher number than the fatality rate of the virus itself. So mm-hmm. let's look at this in, in perspective. Okay, so I went past two major hospitals today, completely empty, vacant. I mean, I'm sure they had a couple of patients in there, but there's no lines There's no queues. There's no lined up ambulance services or anything like that. Didn't see any of it. Same thing with this video you sent me last night. Now, this video, Marty, this video went viral on social media and it's gone so it's gone so viral 
that in fact, she herself, the woman who made this, she herself has been arrested. Uh, and we'll talk about that here in just a minute. But uh, do you have any comments before we play this? We're just going to roll some of this video uh, here. I know the, the listener can't see it, obviously, but there is audio to it. She's narrating as she's walking through. Is there anything you want to uh, comment on before we play some of that audio? I do. Uh, I just want to say to all intents and purposes, doing this under any normal circumstance would be wrong to go into a hospital recording. You don't know who you're going to see, what you're going to see, who might be affected by it. But under these circumstances, I wish more people were doing it because we haven't seen the evidence. You've not seen the evidence of inundated, overrun, overburdened hospitals. And certainly when this woman went to that hospital, well, the audio will will speak for itself. All right, let's roll some of that audio now. Okay, good afternoon, everybody. Um, so uh, here I am. I'm outside Gloucester Royal Hospital just to show you how dead it is. Okay, so here's the entrance. Look, it's walking it's in the front door. Absolutely dead. And there but is look, no one there. Look at this. Vacant. Ghost, ghost town. Never seen it so quiet. Entire waiting room completely wave? empty. Where's all the people dying from the second wave, hey? Where are they? I share this, folks. This is proof. We've just been locked down in Gloucestershire into Tier 3 for this, for an empty hospital. Look, look at it. This is a disgrace. I've never seen... Oh, my God, look at this. It is so dead. Please do not sit here. Yeah, not much chance of that, is there? All the people in our country desperately waiting for treatment, cancer treatment, heart disease. Look at this. This, Honestly, this is making me so angry walking around here. This is making me angry. And you get the idea. Yeah, I've seen the video, obviously. Uh, our listeners will not have done. But she's walking through a virtually empty hospital. There is nobody waiting, even in the spaced seats you know, where one seat has got a cover over it so you can't sit next to someone so that all the social distancing is enforced. The place is empty. Later on, she walks across to A&E and she finally bumps into some people and two old ladies who actually don't need to wear masks because of their age are wearing masks and challenge her as to why she's not wearing a mask. And she says, I'm not wearing a mask because I don't have to. I'm exempt, but you are not entitled to ask, which is also true. Now, I understand she's been arrested um, and has been bailed to, to appear in court under, well, basically it's a trumped up charge. It's uh, yeah, part of the, the Public Order Act. And the charge that's the go yeah, the charge sorry. to me makes no sense. So the, uh, tr she's charged on suspicion of a public order offense? Yeah, that's the go-to charge when the police just want to arrest you for something. If you might cause a disruption to public order, all she needs to do is lawyer up and she'll be straight out of that court with no charge if there's any justice. But who's got faith in justice at the moment or politicians or the police? No one has. This cruel, horrible plan has destroyed everybody's trust either in their fellow man because they think they're going to catch a deadly disease from them, that's those that haven't woken up yet, or you can no longer trust your politicians, you can no longer trust your local government, you can't even trust NHS people because as far as I know, or as far as I can see, there's no way they can't 
be fully aware of what's going on and are just keeping up the pretense. Uh, Bruce, you got any comments on that? Uh, yeah, just uh, real quick. You could actually tell when she was getting angry in there because the footfalls became louder. Just wanted to make that note. <laughs> You'd mentioned there, Marty, about uh, no one, uh, no one's able to trust anybody. You can't trust the NHS worker. You can't trust what, which I mean, there it's I mean, it's hard to tell whether or not they even know what they're doing as it relates to this. You can't trust the governments. You can't trust the media. You can't do any of that stuff. And just to kind of further that, uh, further that point there about not trusting the media. Interestingly enough, I found this clip last night and it kind of sums a lot of things up. Uh, and it's well, not in the manners of, of trust. OK, so Sky News and I know we've talked about Sky News before and you've made your standpoint on Sky News clear and, and where they are. But um, this uh, this is being called Sly News in this case because of what they did here. Now, uh, Sky News conducted an interview with a paramedic. Uh, this was yesterday uh, about how they're struggling with the coronavirus and and having all of the uh, ambulances and everything queued outside of the uh, you know emergency and, and all of the rest of it, which they rolled some stock footage of just a single ambulance driving through uh, an emergency uh, drop-off point, and that was it. Of course, when they were talking about how uh, the, uh, the ambulances were queued up, and they've got this uh, paramedic named uh, Will Broughton on Sky News. And in fact, it, what, what's interesting is, and I want to play just some of that audio here for just a second, just so you can hear the way that he describes it. Now, again, he's a he's a um, <clears throat> he's a paramedic. I mean, it's from the head of the NHS in England, the eye of the storm. Would that describe it accurately from your own experience? It would. We're certainly seeing an awful lot of pressure on frontline staff to do to do more and to give more. And they've already given an awful lot this year. So uh, we're we're happy to do as much as we can. And we are very resilient as a, as a group of staff. Uh, but that resilience is running out and we, we urgently need more help, more resources uh, and to prioritize the vaccine for frontline staff to protect those resources and make sure that we can continue caring for patients. What precisely do you do well? So I uh, work at Frontline for uh, the NHS uh, Ambulance Service and um, the, uh, the response to patients at the moment is incredibly difficult because of the sheer number of calls that are coming in uh, at the moment. The pictures that you see of ambulances queuing outside hospitals, that's something that you can see. What the public can't see are the number of calls that are being managed in those control rooms far more than we've ever experienced at this time of year. And our control room staff are having to make incredibly difficult decisions to decide who gets an ambulance uh, first uh, and who they're going to, to ask to wait uh, for that response to arrive. OK, so here, here's a, a paramedic, right? I mean, that's that's what he said. He's he's working uh, on the front lines uh, with the NHS staff. Well, in fact, Mr. Uh, Mr. Will Broughton there is a, a senior lecturer in paramedic science at the University of Hertfordshire. So uh, he's not a paramedic at all. And I think that everything that he just talked about there goes against everything. He's in Oxford and they're under tier four and they're doing nothing but showing stock footage. And, and here's a guy who's who's sitting there uh, lying on on national television about what he actually does. He's, he's not doing any of those things. Well, of course not. They couldn't get a real paramedic or ambulance ambulance man to to come on TV to talk about it. They're all far too busy dealing with the normal winter demand that is put on our health service and our ambulance service every year this time of year it's a high demand situation so i've always said the best lies are hidden between two bits of truth one he was probably a paramedic at one point 
two, there is a high demand on the ambulance service and on the NHS. But it's got very little to do with COVID-19. It's got more to do with seasonal flu. It's got more to do with the cold weather, vulnerable people becoming ill, road traffic accidents, depression, suicide attempts, all the sorts of things that the ambulance service deal with on a daily basis. But it's always worse this time of year. And so it's just another case of... of, um, Clever liars hiding a lie between two bits of truth. All right, Reuters, uh, the Associated Press, they're out today and they say that uh, the UK needs tighter COVID rules to avert a, quote, catastrophe. That's a new warning by an epidemiologist. I heard last night after we went off, uh, after we went off the air, I was listening to a a former MP in, uh, in the UK and a former Tory MP in the UK, and he is now a uh, a commentator in the United States for an American network. Uh, I won't say which one. He was reporting that, uh, and he's from London, his parents still live in London, but he's doing uh, uh, commentary and and journalist work in the US right now. And he was talking about how they're discussing now, uh, Boris and and company at number 10 are discussing a tier five. Well, if tier four, and this is a a very valid point that he made, if tier four is a complete and absolute lockdown, what's a tier five? What on earth could a tier five be? Tier four isn't a complete and absolute lockdown. It it might as well be. It might as well be, but it means that you can still go out to shop, your supermarkets are open, there's no queuing system like there was when we were in first in lockdown. You're allowed out as much as you like, but you've got to maintain social distancing and you've got to wear masks. There's no restaurants, there's no bars, there's no forms of outside entertainment. So I imagine a tier five will be a, a further lockdown, further restrictions on the type of shops that can open, so on and so forth. But 23 more regions went into tier four today. Um, Hancock announced it earlier on. I've just seen a tweet to that effect. So obviously, if you've got nearly everyone in tier four, the next bit of the progressive proclamation or successive proclamation, whichever one it is, there has to be a tier five. Simple Mm -hmm. as that. And a six and a seven and an eight and a nine. Yeah. Further to that, further to that, it was announced today that the Oxford vaccine, the Zeneca one, is now been approved by the government. The guy on the earlier piece of audio was saying how the vaccine has got to be prioritised towards frontline staff. Well, I think the NHS employs a million people. And the last count that I heard a few days ago was 850,000 people have been vaccinated using the RNA one. Now, this Oxford vaccine is um, you can keep it in a normal fridge. It doesn't have to be stored at minus 70 degrees Celsius. So what, what's so the difference then? Well, I'm not a virologist and I'm, I, I, I'm not an epidemiologist. I, I don't know. But I imagine the difference is the materials it contains. With the, um, the one that's going to all the frontline staff, it's got something in it that, that will die if it gets too warm. And so it's got to get into the system um, within a short space of time of being thawed to a, an acceptable level to inject into the body. Whereas this other vaccine is probably more traditional. Um, and the other piece of audio that I sent you 
was a, a lady in in Dublin, I believe. Yeah, that was and, a ten minute. Um, that was a ten minute thing. That's yeah. why I didn't want to go over it. But no, 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 it's a, it's a very long um, piece. However, this group of people in Dublin submitted a Freedom of Information Act request to the local authority, asking the simple question: Has SARS two COVID nineteen been isolated in a laboratory anywhere? They overran on the permissible time to answer the question. So this group put something else up online stating that. The next day they got an answer and the answer was no, no, it hasn't. So if this virus, obviously we need to check and people need to check for themselves the veracity of of what she said on that video. But if this virus hasn't been isolated in a laboratory then they cannot have developed a specific vaccine for it. So the Oxford Zeneca uh, vaccine is probably just a a hyped up flu vaccine because flu is a coronavirus in most cases. Yeah, and we talked about the flu uh, last night. We were uh, we were looking at the flu numbers just in the U.S. They've reported zero point one zero percent positive flu cases this year so far in the U.S., where if you look at the five-year average at this time of year, it was over 15, almost 16%. It was fifteen. It was like 15.8%. And all of a sudden, now we're at a 0.10. Hmm. So uh, they go on in the AP to talk about uh, how Britain introduced a tighter level of restrictions in parts of England on December 19th. So that was the uh, the new mutated strain. I'm, I, I got to do the air quotes on just about everything at this point. Uh, but they're saying now that... Um, uh, this is from uh, Professor Andrew Hayward at the University College in London. He was talking to the BBC. He says that we're entering a very state uh, mm, we're entering a very dangerous new phase of this pandemic, and we're going to need decisive early national action to prevent a catastrophe in January and February. Well, again, we're still in flu season. We're in flu season until is it March? Bruce is when it starts to die down. Mid March. March, April, yeah, somewhere March, there. April, yeah, okay, that's when it starts to warm up. Yeah, so we deal with coronaviruses all year round, every year anyway. And that, that's what's so ingenious about all this is they've literally introduced this tiny little thing that's already a part of the viruses that our body knows and, and adapts to anyway. And we've clearly adapted to this one, but they're not going to give up that power, are they? They're just not going to do it. They're talking about a new set uh, of, uh, of restrictions, which would be uh, more akin to uh, the uh, successive approximation that, that uh, we've been referring to here. So they need to step up with it. And so the thing is, they're going to keep going until they get some kind of a resistance. And I'm not talking about protests. Okay, protests are, uh, <laughs> I mean, have, let me ask, because you weren't here yesterday, and I, I posed this question. We're protesting in the US, we're protesting in Germany, we're protesting in France, in the UK, in Italy, in Spain. Hell, the French Canadians are out there in the streets of Montreal by the hundreds of thousands. Are the governments actually listening to your protest? That's the question you have to ask yourself. We've been protesting for months against this. Are they listening? They're not, are they? Well, no. They'd made a conscious decision to ignore everything from the moment they stepped into the plan, the whole Great Reset plan. The moment those politicians, and we've said it before and I'll say it one more time, You don't need to buy the whole party. You only need to buy the leadership if you want them to. If you want to control what happens in a country, you probably need to make a really good bribe to about five or six people. That's it. I'm still stuck on the bit you were saying that they haven't even isolated SARS-CoV-2. If that's true, 
how do they know there's another strand? Well, yeah. And and in the video um, that I sent to Johnny last night, this lady asks the same question. Uh, and she says, now that we've got this answer that no, COVID-19 has not been isolated in a laboratory, then that leads them to ask another series of questions under the Freedom of Information Act, which you have a similar process in the States, and we've got very much the same thing here. They have to, unless there's a D notice on it, unless it's a, a something that um, affects national security, um, they have to give you an answer. And I, I don't know, I think someone screwed up in, in the uh, Irish HSE, um, which I, th- I think is the health and security executive or health and yeah. safety executive yeah it's like um, you're a, it's like your national health service not not your national health service but it's like your uh, department of health or whatever it is for the, for yeah, the nation yeah i think someone screwed up by giving her an honest answer because now with armed with that answer they can ask a lot more probing questions which is exactly what they intend to do again it's it's a piece of video that i was sent by a friend that was posted online and the veracity of it has to be checked. You know, it, it might not be true because there are bad actors on both sides of this equation. And what we have to be is the voice in the middle, as Johnny says in the intro, reason and common sense. So we should always take these things for what they are, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about them. Just out of curiosity, uh, Marty, for our non-UK listeners, can you explain what SAGE is? SAGE is the Scientific Advisory for Government on Emergencies. So, Gotcha. Okay. So the reason I... Go ahead. No, the group of scientists, medical professionals, and psychologists who sit on SAGE to advise the government, but it's for emergencies. So it's how to handle your population. In, in an emergency, the first thing you need to do is control what's going on around you so that you can properly address the emergency. And I think the number of psychologists and behavioral experts on that panel tells you what its real purpose is. The reason I bring that up is because a former member of that organization was Mr. Armageddon himself, Mr. Neil Ferguson. He was the one that came up with uh, the doomsday numbers that were passed around Europe and the United States and eventually went through Fauci's hands and hit President Trump's desk. And that was the number of, I think in the initial stages, it was like six and a half million dead or, and then it dropped to like four million and we're still being told two million. And yeah, all of that. I want to point this out. Again, Professor Neil Ferguson, he has come out and he's been quoted by saying he thought that we quote, couldn't get away with Chinese-style lockdowns in Europe. Um, No, you can't. You can't get away with it because you haven't got a police force or military that are willing to do that to to the innocent public. Mm -hmm. Or we hope so. There's always going to be someone within an organization like that who is, you know, got a real sad on with the world that will do those kind of enforcements. In fact, we've got plenty of people like that here in the UK. They're called traffic wardens. Um, they've got no mercy. Um, and if <laughs> they, they don't, were, when they're writing tickets, man, they've got no mercy. Yeah, I yeah. can assure you, they're, they're given a quota to fill, and and they will bloody well fill it. Mm-hmm. But no, you can't get away with that kind of. According to him, right now, Ferguson it, again, he's uh, an Imperial College professor. 
who's his model is what we were basing all of this stuff on in the early days. Prime Minister Boris Johnson, right? Emmanuel Macron in France, Merkel in Germany, Conte in uh, in Italy, Trump in the U.S., uh, Trudeau, the Trudeau, the, the traitorous scumbag. That guy's probably going to end up fleeing to China if I had my guess on it. But anyway, side issue. We used Ferguson's model to base all of this lockdown stuff on. OK, now he did an interview with the London Times just a couple of days ago, and he said it's a communist one party state. Speaking of China, he says a communist one party state. We said we couldn't get away with it in Europe. We thought and then Italy did it. And we realized we could do it. So he also labeled China. He went on to talk about China. He says that China's lockdown was an effective policy, despite the fact that official death toll that that they released that. I mean, China's only lost, according to the the Chinese Communist Party, they've only lost 3000 people. But see, we dumb Westerners, we don't know what we're doing. But uh, Ferguson's model, that's what we based all this stuff on. And if he's got the gall to admit that to the Times, I mean, this guy walks around with impunity. I would argue that him, Fauci and others like him, around the West that have adopted this model, these people need to be brought in on charges, in my humble opinion. Not just your opinion, Johnny. I'd I'd go and arrest a man myself. If anyone can provide me with a name and address, well, I know what his name is, and and, and a warrant, I'll, I'll go and nick him myself. By the um, way, Ferguson, just, just on a side note, Ferguson, who came up with all of this, was also charged with violating the, the lockdown order by going to visit a, uh, a married woman. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he went to visit his lover, probably told the wife that he was um, busy mm-hmm. working within yes. uh, number saving Downing Street. Saving the world. Yeah, yes. that's right. Sorry, so, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, it, it, it's just a typical hypocrisy of these lofty individuals. They are drunk on their own self-importance and, and they'll make these, these sorts of mistakes. And, and these mistakes are what reveal their true aims to the rest of us, because if he was really that concerned, it'd have stayed where he should have been and wouldn't have risked it. But he knew, he knew he wasn't facing any real danger because the virus has got a 99.7 survival rate, 99.7% survival rate. So he he knew it was um, perfectly safe for him to go and have his assignation Good word that, isn't it? Assignation. <laughs> it is. Yeah, that's good. I, I like that. That's good. All right. So Sounds that's, a bit like assassination. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, just just a little another bit. Another really good word. Uh, you know something, though? I mean, I, I'm right there with you when it comes to uh, to hauling these people in. Uh, honestly, uh, buddy, I, you just give me, uh, you just give me a, a place to find these people. I, I don't need much. I really don't need much. If the cops don't want to go do it, fine. You don't want that hanging over your head? Fine. We'll go do it. We still have citizens arrest, you know. We can go do this. Give me a team of guys. We'll go do it right now. I will go hook up George Soros myself and bring him in. Just tell me where he's at. I think the best thing to do with George is to, um, first of all, get him to fund and sponsor you to do something. Rename myself to you know, Victor once Orban. He's, I say once he's arrested and in jail soon, inshallah, then all of his money and influence will be gone. Well, honestly, I don't think it's him running the show now. I think it's his son, Alexander. That's the one that's running the show now. He's kind of taken a back seat. I mean, Soros is what, 90 now? Isn't that what you said, Bruce? You looked him up the other day. He's, uh, I think he's pushing 90 now, or he is, a, he is 90? Uh, I think he was pushing it, yeah. Well, he's probably had several organs replaced by this um, uh, 3D printer method that the um, WEF uh, are saying is going to happen in the very near future. All of those disruptive technologies that they've got a hold of and kept the patents for, I imagine that all of that, 
that stuff that Ned uncovered, um, well, he didn't uncover it, but he, he reminded me of it. 2013 with the CRISPR developments where they could actually create a kit for less than $40 where they could modify your DNA. So if you've got some kind of genetic disease, it can be changed. It can be modified. People like George Soros um, have probably had every treatment going and are still receiving it just to make sure they stay alive long enough to screw all of our lives up. Yeah, I, I can't really disagree with you on that. I mean, I've heard that, and this is just reported because Soros lives a very recluse, a reclusive life. So, I mean, you really don't hear a whole lot about him. The only thing that I really know about him personally is it's, and this is just rumored, it's rumored that he likes cats, that he's a cat lover. But I mean, th that's that's all I know. And I, I mean, I've heard other accusations and allegations that he gets uh, blood transfusions and, uh, and, and all of that. But I don't know if there's any actual truth to that. That's just what I've heard. Again, I mean, yeah, I'm just speculating along those lines anyway. But if he, if he likes cats, do we happen to know if his particular favorite cat is a long-haired white cat with a diamond <laughs> necklace? Like a Bond villain. <laughs> you know, I had somebody... I had somebody tell me the other day, do you remember the clip I played of Schwab? And I've got it right here. I've actually got it handy. I can play it real quick. Uh, when he was talking, he was talking about the uh, the coming cyber uh, attack. Uh, do you remember that clip, Marty? Yeah, I, I remember you playing it and thinking, doesn't he sound sinister? He does. I, he does. I, Let, let's listen to just a second of this. We don't have to play the whole thing. Let's listen to this. But still, to the frightening scenario of a comprehensive cyber attack, which would bring to a complete halt to the power supply, transportation, hospital services, our society as a whole. The COVID-19 crisis would be seen in this respect as a small disturbance in comparison. Yeah, and See, I believe... He sounds like a Bond villain, doesn't he? I sent that to somebody... I, go ahead. Yeah, when you no, when you played that before, I think you said uh, something like, "So, do you expect me to talk?" No, Mister Bond, I expect <laughs> you to die. <laughs> and like Goldfinger, yeah. I'm not fluent in German, so I can't criticize a man who can speak English as well as he does. No, it's it's not that. But, it's not that. I mean, honestly, the guy can speak very good English. I'll give him that. He can, he speaks very good yeah. English, but it's the but he's way... he's like he's getting off on what he's saying. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. there is the cyber attack and all of your hospital will be shut and you will be dying in the streets. You will think COVID was a picnic is basically what he's saying. Exactly. While he's stroking his white cat with the diamond necklace. <laughs> that he's borrowed from George Soros. <laughs> yeah, right. They share a cat. They've got an apartment. They're like the odd couple. Yeah, yeah, okay, I can see that. Yeah, they're, they're, they probably live very comfortably. Now, according to Schwab himself, uh, he hasn't taken a salary in, in quite some time, you know, with the, the philanthropic work that he does. And his wife doesn't take a salary either. She works for the, uh, the World Economic Forum as well, which is his group that he founded, by the way. He says that he doesn't take a salary, but he makes enough to live comfortably in Switzerland. Comfortably in Switzerland, hey? I, I uh -huh. imagine they're still paid in gold teeth. It's it's it probably is close so, to the truth. It is yeah. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. It is so expensive down there. I kid you not, because the way that you have to live that a lot of people don't know this. The way if you want to move to Switzerland, you can only if you're a non-citizen. You can actually if you are a citizen, because this stops it from having a housing crisis. If you want to purchase a home to live, it can't be more 
than one third of your annual income, as in the payments for it. So it keeps you living within your means. So if you want to live comfortably in Switzerland, you've got to be making a whole bunch of money. I looked at going to uh, Geneva uh, about five years ago, and the amount of money that uh, that would have been incurred in, a, in an annual salary there. Do you know what that would have gotten me, Marty? I think I remember telling you about this when I was looking into yeah. it. But I, I would have gotten, I, I think, maybe uh, a 15 square meters above a, a garage somewhere next to the airport. That's all it would have gotten me. Luxury. Oh, yeah. Absolute luxury. But so it would have been hell. How do, how do people in Switzerland get so rich? I mean, all the, well, what do they produce? Cuckoo uh, clocks and chocolate. Cheese and a good headline. I, I mean, I really don't. Uh, yeah. No, it's know. it's banking. It's international uh-huh. banking. And they stay out of everyone bank. else's business. Oh, well, no, they don't, do they? Well, not it, not in the, this the sense, banks, but I'm talking the about... They extend their arms I into agree. everyone's business. But I'm talking about they are a neutral power, as in they've secured themselves on a national standpoint. So their uh, their citizenry is is their military, and they're not involved in foreign conflicts. They don't have a lot of in the way of foreign aid. So they don't squander their money overseas like we've been hoodwinked into doing over the last 70 years. Well, no, and um, it's no longer populated by Swiss men, but the Vatican um, many, many, many years ago had the Pope's personal bodyguard were known as the Swiss Guard. Swiss Guard, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, so there's that strong link to the Vatican. Um, there's that strong link to the World Bank, and that little hub of the Alps and beautiful lakes um, has been at the center of everything that's been happening in the world for a long time. So you had mentioned before here about the um, uh, about the Nightingale hospitals. So if this uh-huh. is, and, and they're talking about increasing the lockdown measures, and you've got cases all over the place, and they're they're going into, uh, and what's her name, the uh, the lady there that we just played uh, earlier in the podcast, she was in an empty hospital. We clearly saw the footage. I mean, it's floating around out there. I'm sure it's still on social media. It's being taken down in other places. But um, she was arrested for uh, that uh, that nonsense charge on it for uh, violating the ordinance or order or whatever. But if this is the second mutated, deadlier, more contagious strain or whatever in the hell it is that they're talking about, wouldn't you want to keep the Nightingale hospitals? But they've all been empty. They've treated a total of four patients, just like Javits Center in New York, and they're now in the process of being dismantled. Now, these things cost and I'm, I'm just I'm just quoting the prices here. These things cost. Uh, let me see. Two hundred and twenty million pounds of UK taxpayer money to build these things. OK. So they're being dismantled and removed right now. But the government is claiming that the hospitalizations from COVID are at a higher level than they were during the first wave of the pandemic back in March and April. But we looked at those numbers. I mean, I've got some of the numbers here. So the, like the numbers don't match. The, the numbers don't match. The numbers from last year are actually at March and April are actually higher than what they are right now. And it's the same in the U.S. It's exactly the same in the U.S. The numbers at previous times as far as hospitalizations, were a lot higher. Right now, as it relates to occupied beds in the U.S., occupied actual hospital beds, and then occupied ICU beds, intensive care unit beds, deaths, they're all right where they should be. Everything is right where it should be in the manners of hospitalizations, critical care units, and deaths. As a matter of fact, the numbers are down from where they're normally at. I don't know about the Nightingale hospitals, whether they were a de- knee-jerk reaction by a government who at the time were t- trying to do the right thing, or 
whether it was all for show. You often see the opposition media to whatever government, if the country is involved in a war, they'll say, this war is costing us this much, you know, and they'll, they'll quote in millions or billions of how much that particular government is spending. Well, a lot of the time, ammunition has to be cycled. It has to be used or disposed of. So ordnance, we pay for it all the time anyway. There's never a time nowadays when we haven't got lots of ammunition, lots of missiles, lots of aircraft. Although there was the story a while back about von der Leyen, who allowed the German army to run out of ammunition um, some time ago. It's the same with these hospitals. The beds, the materials, all of that stuff is held, by and large, in an emergency storage. So it's, it's ready to be rolled out. One of the things they were short of was the ventilators. But a lot of industry, British industry that's left, that is still manufacturing things, retooled and started to produce the ventilators. Uh, and they were all which, supplied to them. Yeah. Which we actually learned was the incorrect way to do things. Uh, the the best way to uh, uh, to do uh, an assisted breathing when it came to that kind of stuff was to put them on a CPAP machine. And even GPs talked about that here. Because if you put them on yeah. uh, the ventilator, it was just simply... Uh, it was just simply condemning them to death. Yeah, essentially with uh, intubated, and um, there are there's got to be circumstances where that system, the ventilator, is used with collapsed lungs and and so on. But it's for a short period of time. Having all that stuff stuck down your throat is just more opportunity for bacteria and the virus to to grow in inside, attached to the tubes and so on. So yeah, we know we know it's it's not necessarily the right way or the best way to treat someone with a severe respiratory disease, but they were made. So it, the fact that they've they've started to shut them down and empty them now, even though they're saying the numbers are going up, doesn't make any sense. Like you say, that it, it doesn't add up unless it was all for show in the first place. Well, yeah, you have that. I believe it was all for show. And then, of course, nothing makes it more than a show than NHS hospital staff and U.S. hospital staff going on TikTok and making dance videos outside of emergency rooms and on empty hospital ward floors. Um, yeah, but then again, I'm going to be I'm going to play devil's advocate here. They've got to um, entertain themselves somehow. I know a lot of NHS staff and they're good people, as I've said before, apart from the ones that... Um, go on TV and lie, but then again, they proved to be a university lecturer rather than a frontline member of the NHS staff. That's just pathetic, isn't it? <laughs> uh, isn't it? Pathetic. Isn't it? And, and this, is, this is what the mass media, the mainstream media, and the government think of us. They think we're that stupid that we will not see through it. And then that tick-turd Ferguson saying that, oh, we didn't think we could do a China-style lockdown until we saw Italy do it. And then we thought we could. Great, so we'll have a go at that. What an absolute arsehat. Uh, <laughs> he, he is. Please, please, great British public, when he gets put in the dock, let me be the one that throat punches him. You know, you uh, you talked earlier about uh, 
and we, we don't have to get into this. I mean, we'll talk about a little bit about the World Economic Forum here last few minutes we got. But um, the uh, the thing you mentioned about the 3D printed organs, Bruce, you and I watched the thing. The World Economic Forum is toying around with uh, 3D printed steaks now, but it's all and I'll have to send you the video on this morning. It's all plant based. And they actually put in like the fat and and everything, and it's it it kind of looks like a steak, but it's actually not. They're going to be testing it. Bruce, you looked into to how they make some of these things. Yeah, so basically, it's just a depending on what uh, who the manufacturer is and and whatnot. It depends on what the main ingredient they're using. But I, I know some of them are like peas. Seriously, the, there's some kind of chemical in the peas that are in steak that gives it the steak flavor. So they use that to create a, a, a veggie burger, if you will, that is all vegetable and supposed to taste somewhat like meat. In this case, they were they were taking different um, vegetables together and getting the the proper colors and the like, uh, making it look like there was the fat and the the veins and all the blood and everything in the meat, so it looked realistic. Um, as far as flavor, they didn't say anything about it tasting like meat, and honestly, it's probably not going to taste like meat. It's going to taste like a veggie burger, which isn't necessarily bad, mind you. Sometimes, yeah, some yeah. Good, but but not. if I want a veggie burger, Bruce, I'm going to go to Burger King and order their spicy bean burger. Or I yeah. would go to Burger King if lockdown hadn't caused the only Burger King near us to close their franchise. Well, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Aren't they essential? It's a food place. Uh, they may be essential, but their their footfall dropped because it was inside a mall and the mall was shut. Oh, gotcha. Yes. Um, the the footfall was so low that they've closed. So obviously other fast food restaurants are also available, but the only thing in my humble opinion that McDonald's are any good for is the breakfast. Anything else is pales into insignificance. And I'm not sponsored by Burger King, but yeah, we haven't got a Burger King anymore because of lockdown. How bad is that? Well, to be honest with you, I don't think that it's uh, I, I don't think it's a big loss. I mean, it's unhealthy anyway. I mean, I'm screaming well, at you for years. You're a healthy, clean freak, isn't it, Johnny? Whereas some of us crave <laughs> a good mushroom Swiss. That is the only thing good to come out of Switzerland as well. They're the mushroom Swiss. You know, it's not actually Swiss cheese. It's 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 amazing. What we know is Swiss cheese. It's not exactly you know Swiss real Swiss cheese. No, it's three D printed cheese. Yeah, it'll be three D printed cheese in the future. Yeah, uh, and it'll it'll be a three D printed cheese yeah. of uh, Klaus Schwab's head, so that you could just you know cut off what you need. It suddenly occurred to me earlier today that a gentleman that I used to work with, uh, he's moved on. But he looks like Klaus Schwab. Does and he I used really? to like. I used to really like the guy. Now I've realised he looks like Klaus Schwab. I don't like him anymore. And that, <laughs> uh, that's how fickle and changeable I am. Well, let's look at the uh, let's let's look a little bit of the Great Reset. Now, this is what they're trying to do uh, in certain parts of uh, of the United States. They are introducing what are called tiny houses. And this is going to be pushed as a solution to climate change, which is another thing that the Great Reset is all about, is tackling uh, climate change. And I do believe that it was something along the lines of, I know, what, what was it they were trying to implement with that? Uh, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't quite remember. How did he put it? Some people may say this is too idealistic, uh -huh. um, but what other choice do we have? At least we have to try. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. All right. Um, but they're going to introduce these tiny houses. So social engineers are pushing tiny 200 square foot IKEA houses as a solution to climate change in another example of how living standards are set to be lowered. So 
this is exactly what Agenda, well, what was Agenda 21, which later became Agenda 2030. That's what it is. You have a 200 square foot <clears throat> uh, domicile, as they call it. And that's precisely what this is. It looks like just a little, um, it's like one of those concession trailers that they pull behind a uh, back or a caravan or whatever it is you call it. Marty, it looks like one of those things that serves food on the side of a road somewhere. You know, someone has one of these little portable kitchens or whatever, and they uh, they serve food out of the side of it at a job site somewhere. That's exactly what this is, except it's, well, it's a jail cell pretty much. But you see, you're talking to someone who lived with 47 other people in a space that big. You have no idea what it feels like to walk down the hatch, down the ladder into a fog of 46 other people's farts. It's extremely unpleasant, but that's what life on board a ship used to be like. It's not. It's it's much better these days. But the Type Forty Two destroyer, um, which was one of the types of ship I served on, the living quarters or mess decks were designed by a lady who designs caravans, trailers, you know, mobile homes, and it was livable. I mean, I spent a total of twelve years at sea. So I, I didn't, you know, hate it completely. But now I'm not at sea and my house isn't huge. My house is relatively small. But Klaus, you do have a choice. You do have other choices. And your choices are to piss off, leave us alone and stop trying to change everything about our lives. There you go. Can you? Can someone please make sure Klaus hears that? I, I've said it before, my friend. These people are like degenerate gamblers. They're just going to double down. They can't stop. They're like a psychopath. When you look at criminal psychology, seriously, if you if you look at criminal psychology and and you always you, you've watched those documentaries before, yeah, you've seen those of the mm -hmm. uh, the killer. Okay, what what does it come down to? It's power and control. They can't stop. That's what it is. And it's the same thing with this. They're criminal psychopaths. In this respect, they can't stop. They can't stop doing what they're doing. Have you ever seen Bill Gates when he's not in an interview fashion and he's not doing a presentation? Have you ever seen him? He's on camera, but he's not in front of the camera. So he's just off to the side. Have you ever seen him in that state? Yeah, yeah, okay. I have. He is not what he appears in front of a camera, as he appears in front of a camera. He is not that person. No, no, no. I, I started to watch a, a documentary with him in but I was swearing so loudly at the television, the other people in the room asked me to turn it off. And I, I've seen what you, you are saying. I've seen that, that difference in him. My point is, is that I was trained to understand someone through their pattern of behavior. And when you look at these people and you look at their behavior, they fit the profile for exactly that. They're criminal psychopaths. That's all they are. Uh, I described Klaus Schwab. Someone someone told me when I sent the uh, the video to them uh, of Schwab the other day talking about the cyber pandemic, and he sounds like a Bond villain. And they said, well, it sends, uh, it, they said that it sent shivers up their spine when they hear him talking like that. And I was, I was just thinking to myself, I, I'm not surprised by that. It doesn't send shivers up my spine. The guy doesn't scare me. None of these people do, because at the end of it, they're weak. They're pathetic. That's all they are. Look at these people. Look at these people. They're not leaders. They're, they're not people of authority. They're just people that assert themselves. They're lunatic opportunists. That's all they are. Klaus Schwab. Do you know what Klaus Schwab is? He's an academic that is idealistic. He's an opportunist and he's nothing more than a common thief. That's all he is. He's not some uh, big, powerful, almighty figure. He's a loser. He is a loser. Look at this guy. Seriously. Why are people 
in government. I, I mean, I shouldn't even ask this question because the people in governments are cowards themselves. But why are people I think in you government off the fence and say what you mean, Johnny? Why are they so afraid of this piece of trash? I mean, he's, they're not afraid. He's, just, they're he's, not, a, they're not afraid he's a common of, thief. Of him, are they? No, that's the misconception. Uh, they're in the same situation as I find myself in. I would like to be a lot more active um, and 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 do things to to stop this nonsense. But if I did, I would lose my income, and that's what the people who surround people like Soros, Schwab, and Gates. That's the situation they're in. They're well paid, and they will do whatever the you know whoever uh, what's the word whoever pays the piper calls the tune. And, yeah, well, I tell um, you what, I, I I will call in their number, and their number is going to get called, my friend, because this isn't going to continue like this for much longer. Once you start taking away people's businesses, and and people are starting to feel the hurt of it now. Once you start doing that. People aren't going to hesitate about going off all half-cocked. And I think that's the wrong thing to do. I'm not promoting that. I think that's the wrong thing to do. I believe in, and I've used these terms for you before because this is how I, I was made to understand things a number of years ago. You don't want to be a broad sword. You want to be a surgical scalpel. And that's what these people need. They need a surgical scalpel cut down the middle of them because they're tumors. We've got to cut them out. We've got to perform precision surgery in order to remove these cancerous growths that are the World Economic Forum and the United Nations and the like. It's time for them to go. Their time's over. They're not the future. They're the past. It's time for them to fall. And in order for us to get past this, these people have to be gotten out of the way. And you say, okay, well, then what do you want? Do you want anarchy? Absolutely not. We did this a couple of hundred years ago. Excuse me. Some very brave Englishmen a couple of hundred years ago fixed, <laughs> fixed this problem, this this Look, very problem. You, you say that, remember, a few days ago, and I didn't go any further into it, but as you brought it up, 1776 and all that, the agitators, the agitators, your founding fathers, led by George Washington, George Washington was a minor noble. He was sent away by his family in the north of England, the town still called Washington as it happens, because he was a bit of a troublemaker. He was sent to the colonies to make a man of him. He never and told a lie. He chopped down a cherry no, tree and all the rest of it. Was that him? Oh, yes, it was. That was him. Yes. I grant you that there was uh, a tyrannical king who was mad on uh, from lead poisoning and syphilis, probably. And uh, yeah, I've also said that it was a good idea for the American Revolution to happen because it, it brought about globally an understanding that the divine right of kings was a made-up thing. And the way other governments and other democracies, even though you're not actually a democracy, you're a constitutional republic, as I believe you told me, yep. but it set an example right the way across the world. And, and you're right, it is important. It has been done before, and it's time to do it again. And it's as simple as that. It really is as simple as that. It's not a changing of the system. It's a simple re-upload because they've destroyed the current system. We've abandoned those principles in the West in general, whether it's a, a constitutional republic or a full-blown democracy that is based on those. Have you read the European constitutions with the exception of the, the UK agreement that you have with the monarchs? The uh, European no, constitutions? I play, I play video games and watch films. The European constitutions, boy, they sound awful familiar, don't they? They sound very familiar. Yeah. It's almost like yeah, they yeah. came from uh, uh, from another example. Gee, I wonder where that is. I wonder where that came mm. from. See, we don't need to 
look at that as going backwards. But in order to move forward, we need to look backwards. Because if we don't know where we came from, then we don't know where we're going to go. And see, that's what these people are doing. They're destroying all of this. They're, they're trying to remove all of this right now. Do you know what's happening in the US and the UK right now under this uh, <clears throat> second wave lockdown? Do you know what's happening right now? The statues are being taken down. Do you remember the ones that everybody was out there that were, you know, the mobs from Antifa that were trying, we'll talk about Antifa here in just a second, but they were out there trying to tear them down. Then you had people on the other side stopping them from tearing them down. Well, they don't need to do that anymore. Now the state's taking them down while yeah. everyone else is locked in their houses. This is cultural Marxism being played out right in front of us, and no one seems to understand it. So in order for us to move forward, we've got to break out these surgical scalpels, and we've got to remove these tumors. And we have a blueprint. The founders of America, the Englishmen that broke away from the king, they left us a blueprint on how to fix this problem. So we're not going to be lost. We're not going to descend into abject anarchy. We have a way out of this. We have a way to build a solid structure from the local level, re-upload and restart our civilization from our standpoint. So all hope is not lost when it comes to this because you say, okay, well, we're just going to tear everything apart and everything's going to come down. They're destroying that system. We're not doing it. They're the ones decided they were going to open up the uh, the salvos, if you will, and start attacking us. It's a different form of warfare. This is 21st century warfare. Get out of that last century mentality. This is not about marching armies uh, and coming in and having the state take your rights. Now they're leveraging out your rights using corporations and a pandemic that they've cooked up with all these these ginned up uh, PCR tests and using a media that's on their payroll. That's all they've done here. You got anything you want to say on that before we uh, before we wrap up here? Only this: the the radical left. The Antifa mob, the BLM movement, and all the rest of it. The politicians that they are getting behind and doing the dirty work of, and the financiers that they're doing the dirty work for, they're not, like you said, they're not really. Well, you, you actually said Klaus is an idealist. He's not an idealist. He wants that life of the elite, the 1%, and probably less than 1%. All the people that are doing his bidding, the useful idiots, think that they're heading towards a socialist form of of world government. They're not. What these devious New World Order types are doing is they've picked something that is very useful or a method that is very useful to control the masses. Religion is gone. They, they did it with religion in the past. They tried it with the race war. Now they're doing it with all of those imaginings, those eight predictions, which all sound wonderful and sound like people aren't going to have to work for a living. People are going to have somewhere to live. People are going to be provided with food, even if that food is made from maggots, worms, and beetles. They're misinformed. They don't understand how evil the people that they're doing the bidding of actually are. Those are the 20% flip that we need to make it 60% aware and 40% sheep that will actually solve this problem. Speaking of the groups that we were talking about there, Antifa being chief among them, they've actually created a football league. Can you believe that, Marty? They've created a soccer league. Well, soccer to American terms, but uh, they've created a football league. So did Antifa or BLM? Antifa. Antifa. Right. Well, it, it sounds like a 
South American football club anyway. Yeah, it, it kind of does. Yeah. But except for these are all a bunch of uh, crackhead white people. Uh, that's that's what they seem to be. So uh, in between smashing up local businesses and attacking anyone who disagrees with their opinion on uh, Marxism. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's wonderful. Uh, Antiva decided to start a football league in Portland. They need something to do in, in between all of that uh, smashing up businesses and things. And by the way, Antifa took over a hotel the other day and uh, the hotel, you know, they needed a place to sleep, of course. And uh, apparently the owner was calling the police trying to get them to come down and help them out to get those people out of there. But uh, they, they just weren't having any of it. The police didn't want to come down there. That is outrageous. But, and it's only just occurred to me that sports events, even under lockdown, were still taking place or under the, under the restrictions. So if you want to be able to have 40 people meet in one place to discuss something, a football game would be a really good way of doing it without raising suspicion, perhaps. I suppose so. But I mean, Antifa, they're not hassled by the police at all anyway. So I mean, I don't think they really care about any of that stuff. I mean, if you look at them out there in the streets, they don't look like they're social distancing. I mean, they're wearing masks, of course, because, well, they got to hide their faces because if they don't, then they'll be exposed for the uh, the bureaucracy workers and the college professors that they actually are. So mm. uh, they, they, can't, uh, they, they can't be seen for who they are. They encouraged uh, comrades, as they call it, not team, not team players, comrades to sign up. And uh, they they put a um, uh, they put a thing up. Their inaugural game is today in three hours. Can we make it? It's, it's today in three hours. Uh, it says we're looking for a minimum of four teams for the league. We will be looking at teams of seven to nine, depending on the demand. So uh, they might be anticipating a big crowd uh, to be there to to watch the games. Have comrades that you want to make a team with, or you're solo and you want to play. Let us know by DMing us on Instagram or on Twitter. At Antifa FC, so they've got their own. They've got their oh, own FC now. Oh, they've got their own FC. Yep, and at anti. Yep, they're on Twitter and Instagram at Antifa underscore FC. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll just I'll just tweet them now. Um, I'm signing up. Yeah. I, I was one of the, <laughs> you're, you're signing up. I was one of the. I was a very successful central defender when I played soccer at school. Uh, being six foot three and fairly well built, I could certainly knock forwards up in the air at an alarming rate. And I would so love to do a sliding tackle. Well, you can't. You can't. You, you can't because they, they put out on their Twitter. It's a, it's on the Twitter feed. So as soon as you go there and you tweet to them, you can see this for yourself. They say that we would like to let everyone know that we will have people keeping watch around the perimeter to make sure that this event stays safe and that it helps calm people. So you don't sound to me by those words you just spoke there that you're going to be a very calming person they say but as always no, no, there will no, no, be people no, no. Uh, well I, I'm, I may not sound calm now but trust me after I'd hacked the legs away of a few of these jerks I uh -huh. would be so calm and very relaxed it's okay. like a lion after mating a lion gets this massive endorphin release and and it goes to sleep that way it doesn't kill the female so um I'm, I'm kind of the same. If I've knocked an Antifa oik up in the air, I'm so relaxed afterwards that I would be calm. So do you think they'll let me play? Well, I'm not sure. They say that, uh, uh, as always, there will be people who will be trying to rain on our parade. And that's why we've taken precautions for all of this to keep everyone safe. And so, I mean, you're, you're just going like to have to... I'd like to know where it is and get some mates in the Royal Air Force or the well, U.S. Air Force to it's rain in Portland. on it with cluster bombs. Well, the game's going to be uh, in Portland. It's going to be uh, at Dunaway Field. Again, that game's in three hours uh, today. Can we get an airstrike in? 
<laughs> let's, let's really rain on their parade. <laughs> well, they've got a perimeter set up. They've, they're there to keep people safe. So yeah, it's not going to not going to stop an F thirty five, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. All right, we are going to have to go. We are out of time today. But uh, as always, it's a pleasure, Bruce. Bruce, hello, Bruce. You there? Hit him with a defibrillator, somebody. And um, charge. Right. How how you doing? You okay? Yeah, just listening to you guys. Yeah. We monopolized the time again, and I do want to apologize for that. I'm very sorry, but uh, we're we're. I tell you what. Next time we're going to have to start this back up again because I've I'm guilty as charged of of monopolizing the time because Marty, when you and I get together, we can have two or three. We can go for two or three hours like this easily. It's only my easily. bladder that stops me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we we will uh, we'll, we'll have to uh, go ahead and call it in. But you know what? The next time we're going to make sure that we start penning and penciling in uh, a segment for you and uh, you and Bruce to have uh, Marty, just the two of you. So you okay. guys can can do your own segments. We can do that. Also, next week, what I want to do, I will get with you. Uh, I want I'll get with both of you. I want to also get with uh, with Jason, and we need to see if we can get Mr. Campbell back. I want to do another room 101 next week. We need a break, gentlemen. We need we need. A break. Yeah, yeah, we do. We do. So we uh, and we've had we've had some good comments. I've had some good feedback from people personally about. Um, I, I re-aired the two uh, room 101s we did on Christmas as our Christmas special, and I people re-listened. got. People got a kick out of those things, uh, and everyone is still laughing about the man bun, Marty. They're still laughing about the man bun. Ah, oh, if you remember the yes. man bun, yeah. So uh, we were we are going to have yeah we are going to have to do one of those um, this coming week. Uh, so oh, is not, GP? Apparently he's good. I don't know. I need to call him uh, and see how he's doing. I don't want to bother mm-hmm. him over Christmas. He's got you know a lot of people in and out. So I will uh, touch base with him this week. But anyway, for those of you who would like to, please do give us a follow on the social media platform of Parlor. I love getting all of your likes and your comments, your echoes, your follows, your feedback. Uh, you can follow me over there and get in contact with me at Jay Anderson Three, or you can follow Marty at Marty Foster. Also, if you want to reach out to us and you don't want to do it on social media, you can do so anytime by dropping us a line at tips at dynamicindependence.com. And what do you want to say, Marty? Because you always want to click on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had a a new follower today called Michael, who's a small businessman in the US. Um, I tried to message him, but because I'm not a verified member of Parler, I will have to Yeah. I'll tell you how to do it. Uh, uh, I couldn't message him, but um, my plea went out for anything to talk about, anything you want me to say, or at least discuss, please put it in there in Parler. Thank you. Also, we would humbly ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and known associates. We are trying to grow our audience here as much as possible, but we do need your help as a loyal listener in order to do that. So if you could pass this along, we would appreciate that. We are available everywhere you get your podcasts with the exception of SoundCloud. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you could drop over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating at your earliest possible convenience, we would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. Bruce and Marty, thank you guys for your time tonight. Good night, man. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow. 